This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Somebody say glory to God. Say he's good. His mercy endures forever. Mercy endures forever. Oh, hallelujah. i tell you what, I'm wound up because I'm full of Jesus. And Jesus wants to help people. And you're people and you need help. And he's going to help you today. Okay, number one, does anybody need a sermon outline? If you need a sermon outline, hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold them up high so he can see them. All right. And they're bringing you sermon outlines right now. And then number two, I want to, I want to show you some books out of the bookstore that will really help you. I'm going to show you some of my pastor's book, Dr. Barclay, today, some of his books. This was called Building a Supernatural Church. Building a Supernatural Church. That's what we're doing and I'll remind you, if you haven't yet, uh, look at the things over there on the table about the job fair. There's something in the church that God's gifted you to do. And so we, at the end of the service, go over there and look at them. We'll have our department heads over there all that are available to be over there to talk to you and answer questions. Mrs. Pastor be there and et cetera. But God, God wants you to be a part of building a supernatural church. This is like building the ark. Did anybody ever read the story of Noah's ark? That's a place of safety. For people come in from the judgment of the world. And God wants this church to be a supernatural ark. Where your families, your friends can come in. But we need attendants in here to attend. Because a lot of wild animals out there. Those animals come to Noah. And so, you know, you need to help these people come in. Because they're not sanctified yet. So when they come in, you need to be here to serve them. And then also, uh, this was called sheep, goats, and wolves. Sheep, goats, and wolves. And the Bible teaches... There's three kinds of people who come to church. You got sheep. How many know that Jesus said that we're the sheep of his pastor? He's the great shepherd. We got sheep, which are good Christians, good church members that uh, come to church, have a good time. They're a blessing to everybody and like to be blessed. And then you got goats, and that's the ones that's kind of the religious people. They come in. They've got their notions of their mind made up how they think God ought to do things. And when you read something out of the Bible that they haven't, Heard before or known. I mean, simple things like God wants to heal everybody. God wants to fill people with the Holy Ghost. God wants people to tithe. All the simple basic Bible truths because they've been taught different at different places. Well, how many know if you ever had, has anybody here ever had a goat? We used to raise goats back in Indiana. We had milk goats. You know what, you know what the big thing about goats is a common denominator? They like to butt. Well, you know what religious people do? Do you hear the word of God? Well, I know that's in the Bible, but. Well, you know what? I know that God wants to use people in the church to serve, but here's why I can't. But that's why I can't do this. But well, that's their but goats. But they're all the time just causing trouble, stirring up things, but they're not wolves. Goats can be converted to be good sheep. Church members be good sheep. Just sitting under the word and have a tender heart. They can change. But a wolf is a meat eater. They come in, the Bible talks about wolves draw people away to themselves. And so what wolves do, they come into a church and they act nice and they look nice, but they want to get somebody aside. They call them out, you know, meet in the parking lot out there. They'll start saying, you know what? Let me tell you something about that pastor. You know, the one he's using in leadership, the people they're doing this. Let me tell you something about them I know. Well, what are they doing? They're sowing discord. They're starting to bite. 
And then you know what they say? They say things like this. You know what? How would you like to come to dinner for us today? And don't ask them what they're going to have because I can tell you they're going to have roast pastor. <laughs> Amen. And so Dr. Barclay has some excellent teaching there. You want to be a sheep. But at the same time, when you're a sheep, you have to be aware of wolves. You have to know when somebody wants to call you aside and badmouth the leadership, badmouth the church, and tell you about all the things wrong with everybody in the church, thought, man, this is, this is a meat eater. They're trying to destroy me. They're trying to eat on me. They're trying to take a bite out of me. You need to gently say, or if you have to get bold, whatever you got to do, you got to say, you know what? I can't go eat with you today. I got things to do. What's that? Well, the first thing is stay away from you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But the thing is, that book's an excellent, excellent, excellent resource. It's a teaching book. Uh, in the Bible school, we have the SMTI Bible School at our church. But anyway, that's one of the textbooks in the Bible school. It's really good. Uh, next year, I presume, we'll have enough SMTI people to get hooked back up good again. Tom, you give me a signal or are you just stretching your arm? Am I too loud? Too low? Okay, you just say whatever. Okay. Well, I tell you, when you got lots of people out there giving signals, you never know what the signal is. Got my wife in the front row and Tom in the back row, and then people in between. All right, Tony Cook. Tony Cook is coming, and when is that going to be? Uh, March the sixteenth and seventeenth. And you know, some of us guys yesterday were talking about Tony Cook at our men's meeting. Had a great time out at our lake yesterday, and it was really, really, really good. When we do that again. Make sure you come. It was great. But anyway, we talked about Tony Cook. Tony Cook ministers to 10,000 or more people at a time a lot of times, but at the same time, he's a man of God that has place for a little, has time for a little place like this. He teaches around the world. Uh, Kenneth Hagin's Raymond Bible, Bible School, he was the dean out there for years over all those students. He was associate pastor at that church for all those years. And he, he has so much wisdom. He teaches the Word of God so simply, you get it and understand it. And I'm so honored every time he comes to our church. I'm so honored because when he comes to our church, he might just left 15,000 people to come here. And they'll leave here, go down to the Rock Church, and I don't know how many people they got down there, but he treats us like, like, like we're the only church he goes to. He's, he gets friendly with all the people that want to talk to him. We, uh, a lot of times we'll have, we'll have a little lunch or something together with, you know, people want to eat with him. But this year, he's going to come on Saturday and from, uh, nine o'clock till noon, we're going to have a little seminar that's called In Search of Timothy. And it's just going to be going through the Word of God teaching how to be a better servant to Jesus. Because number one, if you don't, if you don't get the revelation when you're doing things for the church, you're not doing it for the pastor. You're doing it for Jesus. And pastor gets blessed. The people get blessed. We all get blessed out of it. But it's not a job. It's a calling. But what I've learned so many times are the people that learn how to serve in the church, they make the best employees in the world. They make the best employers in the world. They make the best people out of their workplace because when you, when you, when you give your all to something that's monetarily giving you nothing in return, but it's giving you anointing, it's giving you grace, it's giving you experience, it's giving you the ability to deal with other people, etc. I've got so many testimonies from employers over the last several years that somebody that served in our church for a season and began to work for them said, man, that's, well, Nadine's got one. I was just thinking about that. She got one working for her and other people do too. But anyway, 
Come to the Tony Cook Seminar. It's going to help you learn how to do better for Jesus. How many want to do worse for Jesus? <laughs> you have to listen close. If you want to be less, if you want to do worse for Jesus, don't come to Tony Cook's meetings. <laughs> if you want to do better for Jesus, come Saturday morning and come Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. Mom, did I hit it all? Okay, good. I had all the instructions from my wife, and I obeyed her because I like to be blessed. <laughs> all right. Now, before we get to the Word of God, I want to do something we haven't done for a while. But because of the message we got today, this will really apply. Do you have your Bible? If you do, hold it up. Hold up your Bibles. Amen. Say, this is my Bible. This is the holy written Word of God. Given to me by God my Father to reveal to me the living Word. To reveal to me the living Word. This is the written Word. But God was revealed to me the living Word, His Son and my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is for the sheep. If you're goats, if you're thinking, but, don't say but, just stay silent. But if you begin to confess things like we're going to say, you can change it to a sheep. If you're a wolf, you really don't care. You're looking for something to eat. If you're a wolf, you're in trouble here because we get them. All right. Say, say, I can do... Everything my Bible says I can do. I can have everything my Bible says I can have. And I am who my Bible says I am. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give somebody a high five. We're going to get blessed. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. You know... uh we're getting right. We're getting right to this. But I just got to testify because I'm I'm me, and I'm not you, and I don't know what you're grateful for, and you know I can't talk about this too much. This time last year, I had stage four blood cancer. Amen. Later on in the year, I had a heart attack. Ninety-nine percent of my main artery was blocked. Do I look like a dead man? You know why? Because I believe my Bible. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I did. Jesus said, with long life, would he satisfy me? Well, man, I'm only 67 years old. That's not long. So I knew that my Bible said I could live long. I knew my Bible said I was healed. I knew my Bible said I could preach. So what am I doing? What I just had you do, I'm doing. I have what he said I could have, healed. I do what he said I could do, I could preach. I am who he said I am. I'm a new creature in Christ. And so I just said that as a living testimony to you. No matter how dark or how gloomy he's trying to make you think your life is right now, Paul, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. When you're following Christ, you get victory. When you're following Christ, you get joy. When you follow Christ, your needs are met. When you follow Christ, your life is blessed. You learn to live not by what the present circumstances are, but you apply the Word of God to the circumstances they change to agree with the Word of God. Anybody getting that? 
Amen. And so listen today to what I'm going to teach you from the Word of God. And I guarantee you today you'll receive revelation. Maybe you've never had before. But what you're going to receive the Word of God today is absolutely a must if you're ever going to live a victorious Christian life. And so open up to Mark chapter 4. Uh, that is kind of shadow. That's not satisfactory. If you're going to get, if you're going to get excited about Jesus, you got to get excited about His Word. Open up to Mark chapter 4. Amen. And you know what you're doing when you do that? You're not applauding the pastor. You're giving praise to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the living Word. He's the living Word. So when we're reading the Bible, this is the written Word to reveal to you the living Word. And so we read what the Bible says, that's Jesus talking to us. And you know, we need to, we need to have the reverence for the Word of God we would if all of a sudden, how many know that Jesus in the Bible has appeared to many people in the Bible after he was raised from the dead? And if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means he still appears today to people. He shows up sometimes. And so, if Jesus were to walk through those doors with his Roman sandals, his long hair, his white robe, like that, all of a sudden there would become a holy hush over the church. People get so excited, thought, wow, Jesus come into our church. Well, every time you have a holy man or woman of God read the Bible, Jesus just walked into your church. And if you'll receive him, and I guarantee you this, let me just throw this out there. If Jesus walked into the church, I don't think anybody get on D-Facebook. I say Facebook, I said D-Facebook. It does more defacing than it does facing. I think everybody, I mean, man, unless you're absolutely goofy, you lay your phone down and say, man, I'm not looking, I'm not looking at that anymore. Jesus is here. Act that way today. Amen. How to enjoy a victorious Christian life. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 and verse 2 says, And he began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered to him a great multitude, so that he entered to a ship and sat on the sea, in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea and on the land, and he taught them many things by parables, and said them in his doctrine. He taught them many things by parables. A parable is a natural illustration to convey or explain a spiritual truth. How many here have the revelation and you know that this is a natural world, but there's a spiritual world? And that the spiritual world controls the natural world. In the spiritual world, of course, we've got God, we've got Jesus, we've got the Holy Spirit, We've got the angels of God, but you also got Satan and you got evil spirits. And so people are influenced either by evil spirits or by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus. What takes place in the spiritual world determines what you see in the physical world. And so Jesus, through this parable, I call this the most important parable that Jesus ever taught. And you'll see why as we begin to get into it. But if you pay really close attention today, if you're a Christian that really is very serious about your Christian life, and you want to be more spiritual and understand spiritual things, you listen to what Jesus teaches in this parable. 
I'm, I'm a mouthpiece that he's using, but Jesus is doing the teaching because I've followed his outline. That's what this is, is an outline about spiritual things. And let me give you a little definition. There's a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching proclaims something, tells you something that'll get you excited. When you hear, when you hear a preacher that's not a teacher, they get you all excited, man. I mean, people jump up, down, they get goosebumps, they do cartwheels, they leave there all, all thrilled, everything like that, which you need to be about Jesus. But he put in the church not only preachers, but teachers. And so then teachers don't just proclaim, teachers explain. In other words, let me say, let me say it another way. Preaching will give you hope. You know, you think about this. I was giving a testimony about getting healed of cancer, heart, and all that kind of stuff. Well, if somebody was in or had that diagnosis, one of those things I'm going on recently, I said, Jesus did that, that all of a sudden, on your spiritual meter, your little hope, hope gauge started rising up, like looking at the bottom. All of a sudden, man, hope started coming up. You know, you may have been on the bottom, and then all of a sudden, if you can see like a thermometer, all of a sudden, the juice starts coming. Think, wow, wow. Pastor got healed of that last year, and the doctor just told me, I have that, but pastor didn't die. He's still here. I got hope. Okay, so preaching gives you hope, but teaching, now listen to this, teaching will show you how to turn hope into reality. Hope doesn't get you healed. Hope gives you the excitement that I can be healed. Teaching, when you hear the word of God taught, it will show you how to get in your life what the Bible says you can have. Preaching fires you up. Teaching shows you how to get it. And see, that's not putting down on preachers. So God's the one that put preachers and teachers here. That's why we need preachers and teachers both in the church. Because people come in that have no hope yet. you got to have somebody preach to get their hope up. Then you got to have somebody follow through with teaching to show them how to get it. Amen. And so I guess you could say, I preach teach. I'm a preacher teacher. And so anyway, Jesus then, this parable here, is getting us set up to very plainly and easily see and understand something we see nearly every day of our lives. He's a parable. A parable is a natural illustration to get across to spiritual truth. So anyway, here's, here's the first part, the natural side. Now listen to this, because if you don't understand this natural side, then when you shift gears to the spiritual side, you won't get it. So you've got to listen really close but the natural side, he's talking about things that everyday people can understand in natural things. Because until you get the picture in your mind, listen to me close, until you get the picture in your mind on the natural side, you won't really understand the spiritual side. And so this parable right here, verse 3 through 9, I'm going to read this and uh, share a little bit out of it. Verse 3 says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And that simply means a farmer in modern day talk to plant some seed. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. That's talking about birds ate the seed. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And keep it in mind, Jesus says taught many things by parables, so they can see something to understand spiritual things in the spiritual world you can't see. And so it says, but when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. 
Now, let me ask you this as I'm reading these few verses. Jesus is the one that said them. The recorded in the Bible. Is anybody starting to get a picture of some kind of a garden or a field or something you've ever seen planted? And see, the same thing works in a flower pot. I mean, you know, if you plant a flower, plant a flower pot, or it works if you're planting grass in your yard. So are you getting a picture that there's different examples given of people planting things and something's growing? See, that's what Jesus wants us to do to understand something natural that we can't understand. You know, something physical that we can't see so we can understand the spiritual that we can't see. So he wants us to get this. I'm telling you right now, this parable right here will absolutely change your whole life forever. You'll understand things you never really understood before. And if you get this into your heart to where you really start to grab a hold of what Jesus said here, your prayer life will absolutely change. How you live will change when you get to understand this. How many do believe that heaven's real, by the way? Well, if you believe heaven's real, you have to know hell's real. And eternity is forever. And so we're talking about eternal truths, but the fact of the matter is, although our spirit will live forever somewhere, temporarily we're down in this physical place. And so if we don't understand the spiritual, then the physical will control us instead of this controlling it. We're living in parallel worlds. We're in this one here. If you live to be 120 years old, that's nothing compared to forever. And so 120 sounds long if you're living in an earth body. But when we come out of this earth body, our spirit is not inhibited by this flesh anymore. We're forever. And so for this short time we've got on earth, we need to learn how to take control of things. Amen. We want life to be good for our kids, for our grandkids. We want to enjoy a good life. And so Jesus is teaching us right here how to make the best out of this short time we got on earth. Amen. Two worlds. Spiritual and natural. So right now he's telling us about the natural. But if you don't get a hold of the natural, you'll never understand the spiritual. By the way, who made the earth? God. What is he? He's a spirit. So somebody from the spiritual arena created everything you see in the natural world. And everything that goes on in this natural world is still controlled by somebody in the spiritual arena. But... He gave the authority to us, you and me, Christians. Jesus said, in my name, you preach the gospel, people get saved. He said, in my name, you lay hands on the sick. Healing comes from the spiritual arena, but people in physical bodies do the praying, do the laying on of hands, but it comes from God. He said, you cast out devils in my name. Demons are in the spiritual arena. We live in the physical arena, but the spiritual through us controls the natural arena. Is that too deep? No, no. And so that's what Jesus wants us. I, 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 wanna, I, I can't emphasize enough. He wants us to get this today. This is not just, oh, we come to church and we had a good day. Well, what you, what you, what'd you learn about? The, oh, I don't know, but it was good. Oh, what happened? Uh, I think sister so-and-so got a goosebump. I feel a chill. <laughs> Amen. And so anyway, uh, fell, and then the last verse, verse 8 here says, Another fell on good ground and did yield fruit as sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, some 100. And so I get a picture out here in the desert of these alfalfa fields. 
Man, when you got all this brown dirt everywhere and all of a sudden you got acres and acres and acres of lush green stuff, I think those guys are getting a hundredfold harvest. And then, you know, another month or so down the road, all of a sudden, man, here it is again. These guys are reaping 30, 60, 100 fold. I think pretty good stuff. See, I'm talking about the picture Jesus painting. And, you know, I know that where I live out at Newberry Springs, there's a lot of alfalfa out there, but there's also there's a lot of former alfalfa fields that are nothing but ugly tumbleweeds. Unless you think tumbleweeds are pretty. You know, when I come, when I come to California, I thought they were strange. I didn't know how strange till I grabbed one one time and found out, man, they got thorns and stuff in them. I don't do it anymore. I'm going to tell Mrs. Pastor, you know, throw, throw one in every once in a while people need to hear. We first came here. See, there's no such thing as tumbleweeds anywhere out east. You don't have tumbleweeds. You don't have desert. Well, our first year, <laughs> I can't believe we did this. Our first year here, it was such a strange thing to us. There was a tumbleweed blowing down the road one day. This pastor says, hey, catch that. I want to put it in the house. <laughs> so I picked up the little tumbleweed. <laughs> and she had a flower pot thing by the fireplace. And she stuck that tumbleweed in our house by the fire. We, see, we were weird. We come from the east and we don't know about tumbleweeds. And I remember we had a bunch of church people, right, that come over to our house, sit in the living room. All of a sudden, one of them goes, is that a tumbleweed? <laughs> It was a novelty to us. It was something new. We didn't know you weren't supposed to break up in the house. We said, yeah. She said, don't you think that's cute? <laughs> and all, all these people did looked at us, but like that, they were trying to be respectful to the pastors. But how do you be respectful if somebody brings tumbleweeds to their house? Well, at least we had a house. It, anyway, what I'm saying here is that Jesus is talking He's talking in a natural thing to help us understand something. And so then he says in verse 9, he said unto them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He just told them a natural story. And here's all these people listening. He tells them about farmers. And that's probably most upset. They're either farmers or fishers or carpenters. So he sees that. So anyway, he said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. And just to make sure. That you have your heart stored up. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I have spiritual ears. I will shut off my phone. You didn't mean that. But Jesus heard you anyway. Wow, don't lie to Jesus. If your phone's distracted, you shut it off. You've got the Bible on. Okay, anyway. I'll shut off my phone. I will not be distracted by note passing. Are babies crying? Are people coughing? I will listen intently. You want me to tell you why that's so important to be conscious of those things? When you get trained and you're starting to grow up as a mature Christian, you recognize when I come to church, I come to hear the Word of God. And if all of a sudden somebody starts to have a coughing fit and half the people are back there watching that, and right at that time, God's given me an amazing example that's going to change their lives forever. And then they go home and they're having a discussion with somebody else here at the service and say, Man, did you hear what that all? I didn't hear that. He didn't say that. Well, you have to go back then listen, listen to the CD or whatever we call them now. I don't know what we call them now. Podcast. You go back and listen to that. Well, he did say that. I wonder why I didn't hear that. You allowed yourself to be distracted. 
or the baby cried or whatever it was. So see, as a mature Christian, Jesus said, if you got ears to hear, hear. That means you train yourself, no matter what's going on around me, I'm going to focus on the man of God or the woman of God, the ones delivered this sermon to me. I'm going to focus on what they say. I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch their mouth move. I'm going to look at my Bible. I'm going to listen to everything I can because that's God talking through them to me and I've got to hear it. And Jesus told me that if you've got ears, said you have to be the one to make the choice. I'm going to use my spiritual ears to listen to what's going on. I will not be distracted. Amen. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so anyway, he's given us this natural illustration. I want you to hold your place because we're coming back to Mark in a minute. And look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. I've been studying the book of Genesis lately, just going through it myself, just because uh, I like to be, uh, you know, the commercial they do on TV, the new and improved this, they got the same product you had for years, new and improved. I want to be a new and improved pastor. And so I'm going back and read the same things I've studied for almost 40 years. Like I've never read them before. Because I want, I want to grow, I want to learn, I want to change. So I've been studying the book of Genesis again. But Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, this is after the flood. You know, God judged the whole world. And then God got everything set back in motion again. So this, this, this is one of the, what we call a spiritual law that God set in motion back in Noah's day that still goes on. And so Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 says this, While the earth remaineth, as this is God talking, is the earth still here? Okay, God's getting ready to tell you something's going to go on in the earth as long as the earth's still here. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. God set into motion after the flood natural laws such as seed time and harvest, also called the law of sowing and reaping. That's what Jesus is talking about in Mark chapter 4, the law of seed time and harvest that God set in motion, the law of sowing and reaping. How many know that no matter what goes on, you cannot stop the sun from coming up, it's going to. And no matter what goofy people think about the sun or the seas or anything else, God said there's going to be sun, there's going to be daytime, going to be nighttime, there's going to be all the seasons. God said that, said they shall not cease. God's the one that set this whole thing in motion. So no matter what people do or don't do, everybody, especially Christians, should want to take care of the planet. I mean, the whole thing is we want to take care of things, but we never, ever, ever want to destroy God's creation, human beings, babies, or anything else at the expense of something else. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And so God's the one that said, and I guess what I'm saying is this. I'm not concerned about all the stupid stuff they talk about. Maybe some of you guys believe in this. I'm not putting down on you. All the different global change things and all the weather things and all that kind of stuff. God said this earth's going to be here as long as he wants it to because he said so. And so we as Christians want to take care of it, but we're not overwhelmingly concerned about what destroy people to take care of something that God says is going to last. Amen. Better preaching you are shouting. So anyway, God made the natural laws of seed time and harvest. And so think about this. By natural laws, we don't think about speeding tickets and that kind of stuff. Talk about uh, physical laws like how many know the law of gravity? Well, who do you think made the law of gravity? God did. 
you know, I think about uh, this morning, uh, I had Mr. Pastor check my hair before I came. Why'd you ever check the hair before you came? Because I'm walking out there where I live at in Hinkley. we got a lot of birds. Or, oh, used to a long time ago. In Newberry Springs, I'm, I'm, I'm walking out, man. There's nothing around. The sunshine, I felt something wet hit my head. Well, if there's a bird up there. Doo-doo, don't go up. Doo-doo, come down. Why is that? Gravity. The law of gravity. There's laws. And you know, the, 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 there's different laws of physics and chemistry and things like that, that God's the one who made all these things. And when people learn to cooperate with God's laws in the natural realm, they get benefit. Back, back in Indiana, and I'm sure here in California, Back in the pioneers' days, people learned how to get water power on water wheels. We we got state parks to us of the old things back in Indiana. We used to have what we went to. There's a great big hillside. We didn't have mountains, but water come down out of the hills. And so what people did, they built these great big wheels with fins on them, and water hit the fins, spin the wheel, and then they have a shaft and a gear, and they grind up corn and stuff like that and make things. Off of gravity. If gravity wasn't there, the water wouldn't come down. Water would go up. God made that. And so God said right here in Genesis 8.22, as long as this earth's here, my laws of this nature that I put in place, they're going to work. said it's always going to get dark. It's always going to get daylight again. You can't stop it. He said no matter where you live, you're going to have these four seasons. You might not recognize as much in some place as other places, but there are going to be four seasons. God said so. He said there's always going to be seed time and harvest. And this is important because Jesus is teaching us a parable right here. And the first thing he taught us is seed time and harvest. And now go back to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And we're going to see some things. But I want to say this again. If you will listen intently today and you have an ear to hear, you write these things down, take notes, list it on the podcast later on you know, this week if you want to. You're going to see things that's going to change your life. And if you're already a Christian, knows these things. You're going to see things today that you need to see to sharpen you up on understanding spiritual things. So Mark chapter 4 again, verse 10. And this is Jesus talking. He said this, And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And so there's a crowd sitting there, and they want more understanding. But what are you talking about, Jesus? And he said unto them, it is given unto you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But of them that are without, all these things are done in parables. To give you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's given you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Uh, let's see, how many religious people we got? Everybody's really super religious. Raise your hand. No, don't do that. Religious people say things like this. God moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. Not the Bible. Jesus just said it's given you to know the mystery. He said it's given you to know the mystery. He doesn't want God to be a mystery to you. He said those on the outside, it's a mystery. But when you're born again, you've got inside information. Inside the Bible information. When you read the Bible... Understanding what we're talking about today, all of a sudden, no matter what's going on in your life, somebody uh, trying to figure out, you know, about different things in life, 
maybe it's a court case or maybe it's a job thing, something like that. But there's things that you can't know if your head goes on behind the scenes. You know who's doing it. You can say, well, <laughs> I got inside information on this one. What's your inside information? I'm a tither. God rebukes the devourer for me. Psalms 5 tells, I'm surrounded with favor as a shield. I got favor with these people already because I'm righteous. I belong to Jesus. Well, what about what the doctor said? I got some inside information on that already. He said, I'm recovering because I got hands laid on me. See, that's not a mystery. Why is that? Because Jesus said, as given does know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So a mystery means a secret or a hidden truth. It's a secret or a hidden truth. So now that we have a very plain image in our minds of seed time at harvest, of seed planted in good dirt, uh, the proper amount of rain and sunshine, we're set up to really understand spiritual things. You understand about the seed planted, you get rain, you get sun, what's going to happen? God said, seed time and harvest will always remain. It's always going to work. You plant, water comes, sun comes, something grows, whatever you plant. And so God wants every born-again believer to understand how spiritual laws operate. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, he said, I'm teaching you something right here. He said, it's giving you know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And so listen to this now for you're filling the blank. Fill the blank. Bible secrets aren't hidden from believers, but they're hidden for believers. If you're a believer, if Jesus is your Lord, and the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, and he's the one that inspired the men to put these words here, the same Holy Spirit that gave these men words to write is the same Holy Spirit to tell you what they mean. Amen. I'll tell you, that's good preaching. The same Holy Spirit will tell you. And so Bible secrets aren't hidden from believers, hidden for believers, to study and discover to live a victorious Christian life. As you study and discover these Bible truths, you'll begin to live a victorious Christian life. Now look at verse 13. He said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know or understand all parables? And so what Jesus is saying is this, listen, when you understand the spiritual law of sowing and reaping, you would understand life and why people and nations are the condition they're in, either good or bad. Amen. Uh, I, I, I think about uh, a thing that the world says that they don't really know how truth it is. They say things like this. Well, what goes around comes around. Well, that would be the New Living Translation of what Jesus said. What you plant. Is what you reap. What you sow is what you reap. You go around being mean to people all the time, people will be mean to you. You respect people, respect authority, authority will respect you. Amen. That's what he, that's what we're getting ready to see right here is this law of sowing and reaping in the spiritual arena. And so Jesus said, these things, these mysteries in the Bible said they're not hidden from you, said they're hidden for you. And the only way you find something is if you're looking for it. You know, if you're just doing goofy carnal things all the time, you're never going to find God's secrets. When you're reading your Bible and praying, going to church, all of a sudden you start seeing something. Let me tell you what happens to you. When you really get hungry for the Word of God because you understand things like we're talking about today, man, it's like Jiffy Pop. But we don't do Jiffy Pop anymore, do we? It's like popcorn in the microwave. <laughs> you know, when you get to be our age, we come through that progressive thing. 
back when we were younger, talking about some of us, didn't even have Jiffy Pop. You had to put the oil in the pan. You had to put the flame up there. Had to mix the right amount of popcorn in there. And then it starts popping. You have to watch it closer at birds. And they come up with Jiffy Pop. Now microwave popcorn. But the whole thing is this. When you start turning the heat up, you start hearing a little pop, pop. Pop, pop, pop. Pop, 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 pop. Things start going off. That's what happens when you become a Christian that loves reading your Bible. You're reading your Bible, and you get around some of us been around for a while, and say, well, Pastor, you know, I just saw the Bible. And say, what did you just see? Well, you know, I may have seen it 40 years ago, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to act excited about that. I'm going to say, wow, glory to God, you found that? And because I'm throwing fuel on the fire of your spiritual life, you know what you're going to do then? You go around home tonight, you go open your Bible, you go to hear it, pop, 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 pop. And then you're going to call some Christian or Facebook him or text him or something. You're going to say, you know, I just saw the Bible. You know why? Because all of a sudden things have been there all the time. They've been hidden from the world. They've been hidden for you. So all of a sudden you start seeing you get revelation. Wow, Pastor, you know what? It's God's will to save my family. I saw, I saw the word of God that God said he'll save me and save my house. Wow. You know what, Pastor? It's God's will for me to have a godly wife. Mike knows about that, don't you, Mike? That happened to you. Even she was your boss. <laughs> get saved or get fired. <laughs> hey, he married his boss and happiest life they've ever had. <laughs> Amen. Years and years ago. Hey, Amen. You'll see it in the Word of God. Wow. It's God's will. It's God's will for my child to be delivered off the of dope and be home and go to church with me. Pop, 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 pop. It's in the Word of God all the time. But until you know it, you can't do anything about it. Then all of a sudden, because you're reading your Bible, you're coming to church regularly, all of a sudden you're starting to see things. Amen. Amen. It's a good time for somebody to shout. Amen. And so then he's, he says, when you understand the spiritual law of sword and reaping, you'll understand life and why people and nations and the condition they are. And so remember, a parable is a natural illustration to help you understand how things operate in the spiritual realm. And so for the next few verses... Jesus explains the correlation of a farmer planting seed and the different results he just listed. And so, I really believe this is the most important parable Jesus ever taught. Spiritual laws operate similar to natural laws. That's why he taught in parables. Spiritual laws operate similar to natural laws. Under the same conditions, they produce the same results every time without variation. I'm going to say it again. Under the same conditions, they'll produce the same results every time without variation. If you plow the ground, you have the right nutrients in the ground, have the right amount of water, right amount of sunshine, every time you're going to get what you plant. If you plant tomatoes, you're going to grow tomatoes. If you plant watermelon, you will get watermelon. Plant daisies, you're going to get daisies. As you plant nothing, you're going to get weeds. No, that's that's not that's not even a joke. That's that's absolute truth. If you plant nothing, you're going to get weeds. You know what that says about your spiritual life? You plant nothing, you're going to get goofier and more messed up. Amen. So the spiritual laws will work the same way. And so I'm going to go through verses 14 to 20 really quickly. And I need congregation participation. Every time 
that we see the phrase, the word, I want you to say that out loud with me because you've got to get this. Jesus gave you the natural illustration. Now here's the spiritual application. You need to see how this works in your life. The sower or the farmer, the sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and take the way that was sown in their hearts. And these are likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard, immediately receive it with gladness. But have no root in themselves, and so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as here, and the cares of this world, and the seekings of riches, and the lust of other things therein choke, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as here, and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. And so do you notice here that Jesus, in this natural illustration, what is teach you a spiritual <coughs> example of how the Word of God works in the life of a believer. And so, for your notes... Satan's number one goal after you're born again is to hinder you from learning the Word of God. His number one goal is to stop you from learning the Word of God. Think about what we just looked at in this parable. How many times did Jesus emphasize the Word? The target in your life that Satan's after, the number one root he's after is the Word of God. To stop the Word of God in your life. He stops the Word of God in your life, you have no Christian fruit. You don't have much answers to prayer. Your faith level's nothing with no Word of God in your life. You know, I, I, I just... I don't want to, I don't want to lose you. I know we're going a little bit right now, but the thing is, we got now to what Jesus really wants you to grab a hold of. This is a good example of how spiritual things work. Been sitting for a while, getting a little bit of, Jesus talked about a farmer. Pastor's exhorted a lot, and now he gets down to telling you, now Jesus said, now here is what I'm telling you. So listen real close. Don't allow yourself to be stolen from Now, how many remember the examples about planting the seed, the birds, and all that stuff? And so verse 14, here's what's going on this morning. Your pastor is teaching you a Bible lesson. And Jesus said that that lesson is this. The words from the Bible that I'm preaching are seeds. Jesus said, your hearts are God's soil. Think about that. Your hearts are God's soil. The Word of God is spiritual seed. So what's going on this morning for everybody sitting in here? God, through this farmer, is planting seed in God's field. You're the field. Can I tell you something? The devil is very aware of what's going on. The devil's looking at every one of your lives. He's not God, he's the devil. 
the devil's looking at every one of your lives. He's thinking, I've not got that home broke up over there. If this seed gets planted, then they're going to have faith to save that marriage. i got to stop this word. Look at over there. That child is just about hooked where I want that child. I don't want that child to come home. I want that child to stay gone. I want that child to become a gangster. I want that child to be a dope dealer. Just about got him. Now, if these parents get a hold of that word that's planted today, they'll start getting faith to pray that child back in. i got to stop this parent from hearing that word. These people here are about to lose their home, about to lose their car, about to go bankrupt because their finances are hit. And if they get this word of their heart that begins to grow, they learn about tithing, learn about spiritual principles, about finances. If they get that seed to start growing, then they'll come out of that bankruptcy. They'll salvage what they've got. And then they'll go bragging about Jesus, that Jesus did this for them. I've got to stop that word from getting in their hearts. That's what goes on in church service. Satan has his lights shine on every one of you, your lights. He's knowing what he's wanting to use to destroy you. Amen. And so then he says, verse 15, are these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but where they have heard, what happens? Somebody read that out loud. Somebody shout. When's he come? Immediately. What for? To take away what? The word that was sown in their hearts. Now listen, I want to say something. God didn't say the word that could have been sown. He said when you're at a church service, said it is sown. Remember what he's talking about there? In the other side, the natural side, he said the fowls of the air come and eat the seed. Well, I know that when I planted grass in my front yard on First Avenue, I had dirt. I got irrigation sprinklers all set up and working. And... A guy walking past, I'm glad he came past and told me, he said, you better go out and buy some cow manure, because if you don't, the wind will blow your seed or the birds eat your seed. I planted the seed in my front yard. If I didn't protect the seed with that cow manure, my seed wouldn't have grown. It was planted, it wouldn't have grown. If you don't protect this seed that God's planted in your heart, it won't grow. Why won't it grow? He said, the fowls of the air... Well, then on this side of the equation, he said, it's Satan. He said, Satan's demon spirits are like the fowls of the air. Satan has one assignment this morning. Number one, if you're not a born-again Christian, he wants to hinder you from getting saved today. Number two, if you're born-again Christian, not just this service, but every service you come into, he wants to come immediately. Immediately. And take away the word sown. I want, to, I want to tell you how that works. Now listen to this closely. Like a bird eating seed off the ground before it could even start growing, Satan wants you to forget. He wants you to forget the life-changing sermon you just heard. He wants you to forget it. What does he do? Now listen to this. And, you know, if, if this is... Now when I read something here, if this sounds like your normal everyday Sunday, what happens when you leave here? Just smile and act like it's somebody else. It really wasn't you. Or if it was you, 
you know, if you want to say amen real loud because you got a revelation, then that's fine. If you don't want to say anything, just say, thank you, Jesus, I see it now, and then don't fall for it again. And so like a bird eating the seed off the ground before it can grow, Satan wants you to forget the life-changing sermon. So, before you even get out of the parking lot, he will try to get you in an argument with who you're riding with. Why is that? To take away the word immediately. To stop it. You're sitting in here, been having marriage problems, kid problems, health problems, money problems, whatever it was. And all of a sudden in here, you're sitting there, glory to God, oh, thank you, Jesus, I see it. Get out there, head to the road. Slow down, speed up. We're going to be late. Come on, we're running too early. Anything to start strife in the car. Why'd you wear that today? Well, why'd you think that? Why'd you say that? Well, why didn't you speak up? I mean, here comes every which way, whatever it is, just the opposite will happen. Try to get that. And, you know, I don't want you guys to be stupid. No. If How many here know that Jesus isn't you smarter than the devil? You know, what if you give some advice? I won't even finish. I'll just... I'm going to shut, I'm going to finish it, but I'm going to say, I don't even have to finish it if you just get this one nugget. You've already heard Satan comes immediately. It's not your husband, not your wife, not who you're with. Walk, if you walk out here today, as soon as you get out there, old stupid starts talking. I'm not talking about your one you're with, I'm talking about the devil. Why don't you be smart today? Why don't you be smart today? And say, devil, I'm not falling for it today. I don't care what she said. I don't care what he said. I don't care what they did, what they didn't do. I just heard a life-changing sermon. I'm not going to lose this. You're not taking this seed. <laughs> Amen. And you know what might be good, too? To keep yourself on turned off. Because if you're not going to fall for strife off some individual, why should you look at it on your news app? Why should you look at it on the Facebook app? Why should you get an email for somebody who don't even like you? Or a text message that somebody can care nothing about you except that they need you. To get you all shook up and mad. Why did they text me now? Let me tell you why. Satan cometh immediately. Take away the word sown in your heart. So anyway, uh, it, it, it could be try to get you, if not an argument, to get, to get you to talking about a ball game or sports. Man, get all caught up about the ball games and forget the Bible, what you just heard. Or politics. Or anything to get you to talk about anything except the Bible. You, you know what would be something good for families to start be doing when they leave the church service, when the God's talk to them? Just say, we're not going to have any conversation at lunchtime except by what we just heard preached. Go around the table and say, Honey, what did you hear? What did you get? Get your kids involved. Say, What did they teach you in Children's Church Day? What did you hear? Say, You know what? We got the answer, darling. I just saw what to do about our money. I saw what to do. What did you know? Well, the Word of God's like a seed. We're getting to plant it in our hearts and we're going to start cultivating that seed in our heart. And we're going to know what to do. Does this help anybody as we're winding to a close here? So he cometh immediately. And so I'm just going to quickly through verse 16 through 19. 
through verse 20, and we'll close this down, just to see these examples he gave. And so Satan's first line of attack is to stop the seed from growing. If he stops the seed from growing, then you're never going to get a harvest. Okay, and so then he says, verse 16, These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, where they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And so that, that's most Christians, when they see something they need to hear, that's where the woo-woo, hallelujah, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm glad to see that. They receive a gladness, but then, verse 17, they have no root in themselves, and so they endure, or they last for but a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. What that says is this. You're a Christian, and he's talking about shallow ground. Remember, he says something's on shallow ground, has no roots, sun comes out, Wilson dies. Think about the desert. What happens here nearly every springtime? All the little flowers come up. But if those flowers come up out east where it's not hot, you got plenty of rain, they keep on growing, you get big flowers. Out here, the sun comes out and they die. There's no root system, there's no more rain. Well, the way you're going to water the words you hear today, or any sermon you ever heard, the way you water the word, is you begin to meditate in the word. You take it home, you learn verses, you start speaking them out loud, praying them out loud, you're watering the word. And then the devil then says affliction and persecution. You know what that is? I hear you in the prayer line nearly every week. Pastor, I don't know why people on my job are giving me a hard time and I don't do anything. I do my job. All I ever do is go and do my job. I say good morning and I treat everybody good and now they're lying on me. Why are they lying on me, Pastor? Uh, go back and read Mark chapter 4 again. Affliction and persecution coming for the word's sake. Well, I, I don't know why, but my own brothers and my sisters... They're talking bad about me and lying about me. Why are they lying about me? I, I, I love my family. Why do they lie about me? They just had a family outing. They didn't invite me. They're talking about me. Affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. They're offended. And what that means in the Greek, they're shut down. Shut off. The word of God started growing. They've got joy. They've got excitement. Things are starting to happen. So the devil says, well, the bird couldn't eat it. So I'm going to get the boss mad at him. I'm going to get the neighbor upset with him. I'm going to have somebody falsely accuse him. And you get so distracted by getting offended, you forget what the word said you could have. That's the heat of the sun in the spiritual arena. Put it out. It's just helping you. Remember, listen, don't back off now. Jesus said, is given you know how this works. Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you won't understand anything. And so then, he said in verse 18, now listen to this. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world... The deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things entering in. That means it goes inside of you. It tries to get in your heart. The other things, persecutions, afflictions are outside. You didn't fall for that. So then now something starts happening on the inside of you. So these things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now listen to this. I want to make sure that I keep you all hooked up what I'm saying. 
Something could not become unfruitful if it wasn't fruitful. You don't become un unless you already were. So now he's talking about a level of Christian where nearly everybody in this church is. Your level of Christian, you got past babyhood, where now all of a sudden your prayers are getting answered. You're a good Christian witness. You understand the word of God. In other words, that's called bearing fruit. So then he attacks you and says, within. Says, lust of other things, the cares of this world. All of a sudden, no more, you're not praying, Lord, please give us this day our daily bread. Jesus, let us have enough to make it to work this week. Let us have it. All of a sudden, the word's working. You got abundance. You're starting to prosper. You got more than enough. Well, now that I've got that nice so-and-so play thing, honey, why don't we just take a three-day weekend to the lake? Why don't we just go down to the river? Well, you know what? Let's just go down to Georgia. Let's just go, let's have a good weekend down at Disney the next week. You know what? I'm doing okay. You doing okay? Lust of other things. Well, let's just take off and just, let's just have a lot of fun. So what's happening? It says that's thorns coming in to choke. To choke your spiritual life out and the word becomes unfruitful. And so what he's saying is this. You get that level there where you're finally fruitful, then the attack is on the inside of you. It's not outside, on the inside starts throwing things at your mind. Well, we don't have any crisis going on right now. Man, everybody's doing okay. Man, the kids are all doing good. We're doing good. Man, we got the best car we ever had. Man, our house is paid for. Things are coming right along. Uh, let's just, and you're not, you're not intentionally saying, I want to walk away from church. But those things are hitting you on the inside. Next thing you know, you missed the car payment. You missed another one. Crisis comes. Or you come walk through the door again and say, wow. Damn, we're back. <laughs> Why are we back? Because we've become unfruitful. You would never say that, but <laughs> that's what Jesus said. So we're going to close right here in this last verse, verse 20. And this is where we all want to be. This is how we want to honor the Word of God to live a victorious Christian life. And these are they, this is who we all want to be, which are sown on good ground, such as, now listen to this, hear the Word, receive it, bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100, and so for you, fill in the blank, this is who you want to be, this is who I want to be, I want to hear the Word, I want to receive the word, and that simply means this. Always have the attitude, I am who the Bible says I am. I can have what the Bible says I can have. I can do everything the Bible says I can do. And then number three, because you hear and receive, you bring forth fruit. That means act on the word you know. And so, as we close, I just want to say this. If you... We'll always remember seed time and harvest the farmer. What you plant is what you reap. If you look at your life, good or bad, it's where it is because of what you did with the Word of God in the past. Amen? Hear it, receive it, act on it, and I promise you, there will come a point in time when that wheat fields full harvest, that corn fields full harvest. Whatever it is, it's going to grow up. It's going to harvest. That's what you're going to be Just do what Jesus said. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Amen. Let's stand up.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.